When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we are bringing you the week for preview for the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games in today's episode. We also have the recap from last night's game, our first good Thursday night game that we've had so far this season. It was actually a joy to watch. A lot of fantasy implications in that one, too. So we're going to recap that. Of course, we have a mailbag segment at the end of the episode. Make sure you're following along as it is Friday because we're going to go through some injury report updates, but it's going to be vigilant all throughout the weekend on my Twitter account at MDSFF Show. And of course, follow me along for episodes and other announcements on Facebook at MDFF Show. And check out my rankings for week four. They are up. I got them up last night before the Thursday night game. And they have been updated with the Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles players out of the rankings too. So now you have the updated rankings going into Sunday and Monday's matchup on there. So make sure you check that out on MDFFshow.com so you can get all the information you need to make the great decision for your starring lineups this Sunday. And I will be out later on today on Sportscaster where I'll be talking about my week four rankings as I always do a week four. I always do a weekly rankings video on there. So make sure you're going to that. Sportscaster.com, MDFF Show, USN to go check that out later on today. Make sure you're following me along on social media to know when exactly that's going to drop because I will post it out there a few minutes before I start the live stream. And then I will post the stream out there on a replay for you guys to be able to go check that out as well. So you just get the rankings if that's all you're after on that one. A little extra bonus coverage for you there. We got a lot to get to in today's show. A lot to talk 
talk about. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to hit the break right here, come back on the other side and start recapping the game from last night. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Like I said in the opener, it was finally our first Thursday night game that was actually worth watching, even if you didn't have fantasy implications on the game. But of course, a lot of people did because there was a lot of good offensive players in this game. Nice 34-27 high-scoring game, a lot of highlights, and of course, we have some big hits to talk about. So we're going to start off with that. Jamal Williams does have all feeling in his extremities right now. So that's a great sign. Very happy to hear it. It really looked scary when he got sandwiched and got hit in the head and then wasn't able to really get back up again uh, the entire time. Had to be stretched off the field if you didn't see this one and went to the local hospital. Thankfully, it does sound like he is going to be okay as far as from a just a human standpoint of being healthy. As far as fantasy football purposes go, we're going to have to wait and see exactly what the injuries are. We don't have a diagnosis. All we know is that right now he's not paralyzed. So that's a good step in the right direction. That's all we need to worry about for now. Another guy who went out, not really fantasy relevant, but Avante Maddox, he did get hurt and similar situation, wasn't really able to get up. It sounds like he's doing much better. He was able to go to the local hospital, came back, was actually able to fly home with the team that night. So that's a really good sign that he's probably not as you know worse a shape as Jamal Williams was, and he sounds like he might be on the road to recovery uh, sooner rather than later, and it looks worse than it actually was, which is what you always hope for in those situations. So as we talked about that, another injury we have to talk about is Devontae Adams. He had a huge game in this one, 10 catches, 180 yards. He was well on his way to 200 yards. He had 100 yards in the first quarter alone, but then came up in the fourth quarter right before the Packers were about to go on a key drive to possibly try to tie the game up. He wasn't in there at all for their last two series because he caught the ball and immediately reached for his toe right after. And you know, not being, not knowing exactly what it was. He looked like he was having a hard time walking around. He called it he, thinking he thinks it's a turf toe injury. We still have not gotten exact details from the medical staff exactly what the diagnosis is, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was a turf toe injury. That is the expectation. So that is something that we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Some turf toe injuries don't take very long to heal. Others take a few weeks. So we're going to have to see what the diagnosis winds up being when they get the MRI results back, which I expect to have back today at some point. And we'll, of course, put that out on Twitter for you guys as long as you're following along at MDSFFShow. You'll get that update notification. With Adams, though, the good news is that they have 10 days before their next game, being that it was a Thursday night game. So he's going to have a couple extra days of rest. If it's not too severe, you may not wind up missing time for Adams. So like I said, it's all going to be wait and see. But in the meantime, he came back to life. If you've been an Adams owner, you've been kind of disappointed with what you have gotten so far, not just from him, but from the Green Bay Packer offense in general. And he came out and had a huge game for you in this one. So that... That was great to see in a matchup where you expect him to dominate. He was still able to do so. The offense in general looked different. It looked like they turned around and handed the ball 
over to Aaron Rodgers and had him run the offense the way he wanted to for most of this game. And offensively, they played really well. They couldn't stop anything defensively. That was their main issue. But offensively, they played really well. Now, they weren't able to get the running game going in this one, but that was to be expected going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember, Jamal Williams goes out early in this game on the first play in the first drive of the game and Aaron Jones was the lead back the rest of the way. Otherwise, we would have seen another 50-50 split, most likely. But Aaron Jones comes out, didn't have a very good game, but did get into the end zone. He had 13 carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown in this one. And then he also tacked on 6 catches for 37 yards. So if you have him in PPR, he was able to get you a decent following after all. If you have him in any other league, he saved you with the touchdown once again, just like he saved you with the two touchdowns last week but with the two weeks combined he's had less than 50 yards rushing in two weeks now I don't like what I'm seeing out of Aaron Jones I don't like what I'm seeing in that offensive line that also got banged up Brian Balaga got banged up that's always a big key for that offensive line for the Green Bay Packers whenever it comes to patch protecting for Aaron Rodgers or for run blocking quite frankly Aaron Jones is somebody if I can sell him I'm selling him I don't really love what's going on for the rest of the season now yes with the Jamal Williams injury there's a case in which he might be the workhorse back until further notice but even if that's the case, this is not a team that's going to be consistently able to run the ball. And as you saw, while they lost for the first time yesterday, it wasn't because of their offense. Even the interception at the end of the game that Aaron Rodgers threw, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault. He hit his receiver in the chest between the numbers. The receiver simply could not come up with the ball, and it bounced off of his chest and into the hands of the Eagle defender. So it wasn't really a pick by Aaron Rodgers. That offense has been just fine. The big key is going to be Devontae Adams. Is he able to play? As long as he's able to play, they should be okay, and it does look like they're getting ready to turn things over more and more to Aaron Rodgers. Now, this was a plus matchup, so it made sense. It was a matchup where the Eagles are a very good run defense, so you knew you weren't going to have much success there, and you had to throw on them. So we'll see if this, this trend continues use if they continue to do that but they just look so much better out there I have a hard time believing that they're suddenly going to go back to conservative idiotic no point no identity type of offense that they were doing before Matt LaFleur your identity is Aaron Rodgers and that's what the offense needs to be and that's what it looked like in tonight's game or last night's game even though it didn't come up in the win column but for Aaron Rodgers he played great 34-53 422 yards, two touchdowns, did have the one pick, but he also tacked on 46 yards rushing, and that's something we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers do in a long time. The pocket collapsed, he was able to sprint out and able to get down and didn't take any big hits, which was great, but was for the first time in a while I've seen him play actually remember like hey yeah you're a dual threat quarterback maybe not in the light of a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson but you can use your legs to move the chains and when they put the ball in his hands that much he just made constant plays that's what you want to see out of Aaron Rodgers you want to see him using his legs and make plays even it's not necessarily rushing yards you want to see him use that dual ability because that's when he's playing at his best and Their schedule, look, next week they have a bit of a tough matchup, but after that, their schedule opens up for a little while, which is why I'm excited about Rodgers and Adams moving forward and Scantling to some degree, where they're going to have an opportunity there to kind of right the ship, especially with the passing attack on the offense. As far as other pass catchers go, Jimmy Graham suddenly came back to life in this one. Six catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. They talked about all week how they want to get Jimmy Graham more involved in the red zone. This isn't something that I'm going to be sinking my teeth into, though, like the week one where come out and like, all right, Jimmy Graham, somebody you can pick up as a top end tight end two and try to stream them. No, we're going to have to see it because then he had to follow that up with two weeks where he didn't even get targeted. So we're going to have to see it on a consistent basis, him actually be involved in the offense. If Devontae Adams doesn't play, 
he very well may be the case. He may be the only red zone target that Aaron Rodgers trusts. So we're, we're going to have to see what happens there. But we're going to see, we're going to see with Scantling and Allison, what kind of step up do they take, right? So in this one, Scantling was a little disappointing. Three catches, 47 yards on seven targets. The targets were there. There was plenty of volume for all the pass catchers, of the Packers in this one. But he really didn't get going to the fourth quarter when Devontae Adams was out. Look, Adams was just getting hit with the ball constantly because nobody was covering him. Nobody could cover him. Uh, so there was just no other reason for Rodgers to go around. So when he comes out of the game, Scantling starts to get a little bit more involved. But it was kind of tough to see because this was a good matchup. You would thought other people besides Devontae Adams would have been able to get the ball here. And the fact that it had to take Adams coming out of the game for him to get into this one is a little concerning. It kind of tells me that whenever they play a defense that has a top corner to play on Adams, then Scantling might be more focused on by Aaron Rodgers and get more of a work. But if they're in a plus matchup where Adams has a plus matchup as well, he may not be able to do quite as much because he just may not be the guy Aaron Rodgers looks to go to. Geronimo Allison came back to life a little bit in this game too. Three catches, 52 yards, a touchdown, and four targets. He falls into the same category as Jimmy Graham to me where we're going to have to see it happen on a consistent basis before it becomes anything that I say is fantasy relevant and should be rostered on your teams moving forward. And that could be sooner rather than later if Adams misses time. So that's kind of what it boils down to there. It's going to be a waiting game until next week. On the Eagles' side of the ball, they were still really banged up. Deshaun Jackson didn't play in this game. Alshon Jeffrey was out there, but definitely clearly was hindered a bit by his injury, although he was able to get a touchdown in this game. Three catches, 38 yards, a touchdown on nine targets. Zach Ertz was targeted a ton in this game, but again, only went for 65 yards. So seven catches, 65 yards in this one. It's a good showing. If you have him PPR leagues, you're fine with it. But if you have him standard at half point, once again, he's getting you 60 or less yards. Hasn't found the end zone yet. It's been a little concerning with Zach Ertz. And this is a matchup last two weeks with the volume. He should have been much more involved, especially in the red zone. And that just didn't wind up being the case. The real disappointment in this one was Nelson Aguilar. Only had one target in this game. Look, I thought for sure against the Packers with Alshon Jeffrey seeing Jair Alexander for the most part that they would still have to go to Nelson Aguilar, and they didn't. Carson Wentz avoided him at all costs pretty much throughout this one. They threw it to the running backs. They threw it to Jeffrey. They threw it to Zach Ertz. That was pretty much it. No one else in the passing game really got that involved. Dallas Goddard had the one of the touchdowns, but he wasn't that involved outside of that red zone. The guy who went crazy last night was Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard had three total touchdowns, a receiving touchdown. I don't remember the last time Jordan Howard had a receiving touchdown. They played, he had the most carries in this game. He looked good. He looked more efficient. He was getting north and south. Now, Miles Sanders wasn't inefficient. He didn't play badly. But Jordan Howard was the guy they went to when they got into the red zone. And the Eagles were in favorable territory a lot of this game. So Jordan Howard got to see himself in those situations. But it just goes to show you, for Miles Sanders' owners, why I'm not trusting to play him anything more than a floor flex play. Because it's clear that when they get inside the 10-yard line or an opportunity to score real points, Jordan Howard is the running back coming in. It's not Miles Sanders in those situations. He's strictly between the 20s now. It's Jordan Howard coming in to power in to get those rushing touchdowns. And on top of it, while he's the one who got most of the carries in this one because they're trying to close out the game, they used him to be the closer. They used him in short yard situations. There's still a bit of a 50-50 split between Sanders and Howard as far as total touches go to begin with. So to me, Howard is the more valuable back moving forward right now. 
especially if he's going to be one getting the goal line carries and still getting about the same amount of work as Miles Sanders as he has for the past couple of weeks. While Sanders is going to be more involved in the passing game, and this was kind of a fluke as far as Howard's contribution to the passing game, along with the touchdown, he had three catches for 28 yards. That's something you're not going to see very often. Howard's still going to be the one who's going to be put in the situation that has to score the most. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Both of them are flex plays. Neither one of them are RB2s, but... I think I still think it's going to be a while before Miles Sanders can take over and become that low-end RB2 that people are hoping that he can be. For Carson Wentz, not a great game, but he did have three passing touchdowns, so he's able to keep fantasy relevant as, as a result of that. Still got you 19 points. That's still a decent day at your quarterback. Uh, only 160 yards in this one. It was kind of hard for them to move the ball, especially at first. They were in short yardage field situations, or they didn't have as far to go to score. And Deshaun Jackson's missing. When Deshaun Jackson comes back, which I do believe will be in week five, I think you're going to see this offense get back to what it was looking like in the first couple of weeks. So I don't worry about Carson Wentz. He was still fan- he was still good for you fantasy wise, and I'm not going to be concerned moving forward, especially when they get Deshaun Jackson back and they'll help open up everything else again, and all Sean Jeffrey get healthier too, as he'll have an extra days to uh, recover. So that pretty much wraps up the recap from last night's game. So we can go ahead, turn around, and get into our first preview for the 4 o'clock games on Sunday, kicking it off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. A lot of fantasy points to go around in this matchup here. Jameis Winston, he's not somebody who want to play in this game. They're on the road against Los Angeles. Wade Phillips is, has a very good defense right now. He's playing. He's calling great games. I think this is a game where Winston's going to probably throw a two to three picks, most likely. Now, the volume's going to be there because I do believe Tampa Bay is going to have to try to come back from behind in a big way. But... Because given the defense, given Winston, I don't think he has a particularly high floor going into this matchup. This isn't a game like the Giants last week where I knew he was going to perform well. I I don't really love it here. Now, volume might save him at the end of the day, but I got to think there are other options, better options that you can go to off the streaming waiver wire and everything else. And if you want to find some guys that might have some value, make sure you're checking out my rankings at mdffshow.com. For the running back situation, I don't see how you start any of the running backs this week. It's an every other week thing so far. Peyton Barber one week, then Ronald Jones gets a 50-50 split, and then it's Peyton Barber again. We don't know exactly what's gonna, how it's going to shake out in that backfield. What I can tell you is right now, neither one of them are trustworthy. Not Neither one. Especially after watching that Giants game, it doesn't seem like they know exactly who they want to go to. Right now, it's just a committee. I do believe they're waiting for someone to emerge that will be their lead back because I think Bruce Arians wants to try to go with one guy. And of the two, I think that one guy they're hoping establishes himself is Ronald Jones. It just hasn't consistently shaked out that way. So we're going to see what happens in this game, but there's no way I'm playing either one of the Tampa Bay running backs in this game. For the wide receivers, if you have Mike Evans, you got to start him. The good news for Chris Godwin is that while he wasn't able to practice on Wednesday and Thursday, he did come back and practice today. So he is going to be good to go. He is going to play Sunday without many concerns. He was coming in with a hip injury in this one, but was able to get back at it. So you have to start your wide receivers. You got to start Evans. You got to start Godwin. I don't have a high level of expectations for them, but for the receivers, it doesn't quite matter as much as the quarterback throws interceptions. So the volume and expecting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to have to come back, there could be garbage time points to be had. There could be a lot of targets headed both of their guys' ways. So I do think that they are safe plays where they are, Mike Evans being a low-end wide receiver one, Chris Godwin being a high-end wide receiver two, and I think that's the way it could kind of shake out because the volume should be there. I don't love the matchups. The Rams do have a good secondary, so I don't think either one of them can have a huge game in this one, but I do think 
that they are going, you know, if you have them, you starting them and you're not wavering from that, I wouldn't be scared of the matchup necessarily. As far as OJ Howard goes, he's technically the one that has the best matchup, but it was a little disappointing seeing him not get that involved against the Giants game. Now, on one hand, no one besides Mike Evans was really all that involved in the Giants game. On the other hand, uh, OJ Howard still hasn't gotten the end zone. Last week was the week he had the most targets of any week, and it was still just a okay game at the end of the day. So I think OJ Howard is somebody that I don't know how you start with any confidence at the moment. There are some tight ends you can look at. Will Disley's been on the waiver wire. You could probably pick him up in most of your leagues. Uh, Some names like that. Uh, Vernon Davis is another one with Jordan Reed looking like he's going to miss yet another week this week and they're playing against the New York Giants. So he's another one to pay attention to. There's some tight end options I think I would go to. I'm still not dropping O.J. Howard because I do believe this offense and him are going to turn a corner at some point. It's just going to be a matter of when that happens. And for now, you kind of have to pick your spots and pick your matchups with O.J. Howard. You kind of have to see him get going again, especially be a target in the red zone for Jameis right now. So I'm not starting him, but I'm not dropping him yet either. On the Rams side of the football, you got to start everybody. I mean, this is a plus matchup against a porous Tampa Bay secondary. So Jared Goff at home against a bad secondary. I expect him to have his best game of the year so far in this week's matchup. So he's somebody you can definitely play. I think Cooks, Woods, and Cup can all eat in this game. Um, they should have all ate last week against Cleveland. So that was the only concerning thing because with Cleveland not having Denzel Ward and the Rams putting themselves in situations that they were in, they really all three of them should have ate. And Brandon Cooks went over 100 yards. Cooper Cup went over 100 yards and two touchdowns. The only one who didn't really get his was Robert Woods. And that's two weeks in a row now with a plus matchup. I do believe Robert Woods is going to get back involved, get back to hitting his 80-plus yards with possibly a touchdown in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do think they're going to have their way with them. The Buccaneers have been pretty decent against the run, so you have to limit your expectations with Todd Gurley. But it doesn't really matter what the matchup is right now with Todd Gurley. You have to limit your expectations for him just because of the way the Rams are using him. Or should I say the lack of the way the Rams are using him. Because it's not so much that he's losing you know, general snaps and touches. I think we all kind of knew that he wasn't going to get as many snaps, as many touches as he did, you know, for the last couple of years coming off of this knee issue over the summer. But what I did not expect, and I talked about this in the recap, I did not expect him to not be involved in the passing game at all. I didn't expect the running backs in general to not be involved in the passing game at all. I don't know if that's something McVay is going to go back to. I think he should. I think the offense performs much better when he does. I think there's proof of that from the beginning of last year when that was the case. I don't know what the holdup is. I don't know what the game plan is. But logically speaking, he should get back to that. So logically speaking, Todd Gurley should get back to being more involved in the passing game. And when that happens, I do think he has a chance to go back to being an RB1. Until that happens, he's strictly an RB2, and that's regardless of the matchup. And this isn't a great matchup here. Tampa Bay's pretty good against the run. They have a pretty good front four. And you got Dominic Sue coming back against his old team in this one. He's going to look to try to make a splash in this game. So I do think with the Rams' offensive line not playing as well in the interior part either. There's not going to be much room to run in this game, especially up the middle. So we'll have to see what happens. Maybe this is a week where Todd Gurley gets back involved in the passing game as a result, but you're going to have to hope for that. You have to start him, but he's nothing more than an RB2 for you at the end of the day right now in this matchup with the way they're utilizing him. Our next game up to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Start all your Seahawks, pretty much. 
Uh, the only one I'm not starting is Rashad Penny. He did come back to practice this week in a limited capacity. He probably will play, but being that he's just coming off the hamstring injury, I don't know how much of a role he's really going to have this week. Now, this week is going to be very interesting to watch for Chris Carson, though, because if Chris Carson fumbles again this week, I think starting next week, we could be seeing a lot more of Rashad Penny moving forward because it has been ridiculous how much the ball has been flying out over Chris Carson's hands. And I'm pretty sure that had Rashad Penny been healthy, we would have saw him taken over last week after Chris Carson's abysmal performance. So that's what we have to keep an eye out on. If I'm a Chris Carson owner, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there praying, please hold on to the ball. It's against Arizona. It's a plus matchup. So Chris Carson should have a good game as long as he doesn't put the ball on the ground. That's going to be the big question heading into this matchup. As far as everybody else goes, Russell Wilson, you play him. Like I said last week and talked about in the recap, it looks like, at least for this year anyway, he's gotten the September monkey off of his back. He's had two big games in a row. Arizona's going to give them extra possessions because of the up-tempo offense that they run and they have a terrible defense. So I expect Russell Wilson to have a really big game. He's actually going to be my top three quarterbacks overall for this week. Uh, make sure you check out that Sportscaster video that I'm going to do later on when I talk about the rankings and where everybody's at, and I'll get more into that later in that video. So make sure you check that out. I'll post that everywhere. But yeah, I expect Russell Wilson to be amongst the top. There's, he has all the opportunities in the world against a great matchup. A big reason for that, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think both of these guys could have huge games in this one. Uh, Tyler Lockett, last two weeks, has been heavily targeted, just like I thought he would be playing in the slot. And he still has that big play capability. The Cardinals have nobody who can stick him right now. Absolutely no one. They have no one who can really stick DK Metcalf, but they really have nobody who can keep up with Tyler Lockett at the moment. So I expect a big game out of him. I think you could play DK Metcalf as a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside in this game because I would not be surprised at all if he got a bomb or two in this matchup. So I love DK Metcalf as well. The only one I'm not playing is David Moore. He just came back last week. He's more there to be a guy in the red zone. I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to be a touchdown you know, this week, but he's not somebody who I'm going to play with any confidence, but it is nice to see him out there and he's a receiver, a competent enough receiver to take some attention away where it's not going to all be on Lockett and Metcalf in any one given game. So that's good for them as well. Will Disley somebody who you have to start this game. Will Disley's in my top five tight ends and I'm going to tell you guys exactly where when we head into this week. Uh, he's Look, three weeks in a row, he scored a touchdown. And like I've been saying all week long, if it's three weeks in a row, it's not a fluke. So Will Disley is somebody you can actually utilize. They trade away Nick Vanette, pretty much solidifying that this is Will Disley's job. He is the tight end, and he's in a plus matchup against Arizona in a game that he very well will have another opportunity to score for the fourth game in a row. And I think there's a good shot that he does it. So Will Disley is definitely somebody who had been available on the waiver wires quite a bit and somebody who should be picked up and played in your lineups. On the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball, no injuries of note. They did cut Michael Crabtree earlier on this week because he's a waste of, waste of life pretty much at this point. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Crabtree winds up retiring sometime soon. Kind of surprised he didn't retire the day after, frankly. He doesn't have anything left in the tank. All it does is solidify that it's Larry Fitzgerald, it's David Johnson. In certain matchups, you can stream Kyler Murray. In certain matchups, you can play Christian Kirk. And that's pretty much what it boils down to when you talk about the Arizona Cardinals. I can only trust David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald on a week-in, week-out basis. You can trust them again. The volume's always going to be there. So are they against a team that is 
a good enough matchup where with the volume, they had at least have a chance to score. David Johnson scored in all three games so far. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an opportunity to score again against Seattle here. Larry Fitzgerald has been very good through the first three weeks. He should be very good again this week. The Seattle Seahawks, their defense hasn't been as good as I expected it to be. They are on the road in this matchup. And Larry Fitzgerald has done pretty well against good defenses already leading up to this point. He had a great game against Baltimore, who I think his defense is playing better than the Seattle Seahawks at the moment. So I do like all of those things for for Fitzgerald. So to me, he's a low-end wide receiver, too, heading into this matchup. David Johnson's a low-end RB1. Christian Kirk is somebody who is always going to be somewhat of a flex play. I like him more in PPR leagues because he's a guy to me that he doesn't have a great chance to get 100 yards and touchdown in any one given game. And I don't think it's a matchup where he has a great chance for that either. But because they throw the ball so many times, because only so many balls can go to Fitzgerald and David Johnson, I do think he has a chance to give you a high floor week in and week out from a PPR perspective. Now, half-point PPR, standard, I think I can find better options than Christian Kirk, but in PPR formats, I do think he offers you low-end wide receiver three flex high floor play. That's kind of where he's at right now, and we'll get into it later in that video, exactly where I have him ranked. Now, he's not somebody who want to play every week. He's not somebody who, if I need to hit a home run with, I'm going to put him out there so just know the construction of your roster figure out what it is that you need the most when it comes to contemplating playing a guy like Christian Kirk for Kyler Murray this is a matchup where I'm not super eager to stream him on I do think the Seattle Seahawks defensive line should have an easy time dominating the offensive line of the Cardinals I think he's going to be on the run for his life quite a bit the only thing I saw with positivity with Kyler Murray last week is that there were more designed runs for him there was more of an emphasis in utilizing his legs in order to try to make plays that is exactly what they have to do if they want this offense to work if they want Kyler Murray to start performing better they have to start making him use his legs and they hadn't done that the first two Two weeks. So that's something they're definitely going to have to do against Seattle this week. Read option, misdirection, make Kyler Murray make plays with his legs. That is the only X factor I think they have to not get completely dominated in this game. So that will be something to watch. But I do think you can find other options besides Kyler Murray to stream this week because I do think he has a very low floor with the possibility of Seattle's defensive line just completely dominating and harassing him in the backfield all game long. Our next matchup up, we got the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears in this one. Let's see here. With with the Minnesota Vikings, this is probably their toughest matchup so far, especially for their running game. It's going to be very interesting to see how well does Dalvin Cook perform. Dalvin Cook hasn't just been an, an RB1. He has been the RB1 through the first three weeks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. 
Wait! Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Will it continue against Chicago? It's going to be a hell of a matchup. If he can have a good game against Chicago, then that will prove that he is 100% without a doubt matchup proof. And that this Vikings offense is going to be able to run no matter who they're playing against. So this is a big week moving forward to know exactly what your expectations can be. Now, make sure you're lowering your expectations for Dalvin Cook this week against Chicago for obvious reasons. And we're going to get to see, does Kirk Cousins, do they have to lean on the passing game a little bit more to get guys open? Do they go to Adam Thielen? Do they go to the Stephon Diggs? And that's the big one we have to look out for too. Adam Thielen, while he hasn't been great, because it's been such limited opportunities, you're not really holding that against him. And he's been able to pr- at least produce on the limited opportunities that he's been given. The guy who hasn't been able to get much of anything besides a bomb touchdown is Stephon Diggs. That's it. I mean, he scored in the first two weeks, but the week one, he didn't do much else besides the touchdown. Week two, he got a 40-plus yard touchdown in that game. And that was pretty much saved him there. And then week three, he was nowhere to be found against the Oakland Raiders in a plus matchup. Right now, Stephon Diggs is a little bit of a shaky play. This is not a great matchup with him in Chicago. This is a game in which I would contemplate benching Stephon Diggs depending on your options. Now, keep in mind, against the Chicago Bears, the one way that you can beat that defense or the one way that you have to try to beat that defense at the very least is to spread them out and attack them vertically on the edges and use your speed. Prince of Mukamara will probably see Adam Thielen quite a bit in this game. They're going to move Stephon Diggs around. They've been moving him around more than Adam Thielen over the past couple of weeks. If they do that against Chicago, he should get some favorable matchups because the Chicago secondary, while solid, doesn't have the speed to keep up with a guy like Stephon Diggs. Now, I don't, by no means am I predicting a big game, but this would be a game where they may have to lean on the passing game a little bit more. There may be a little more opportunities. And if Stephon Diggs can have a decent game against Chicago, being that they're schedule for the next five weeks after this are all favorable matchups for the offense it would be nice to see him get right the ship now and then you can have confidence playing him over the next five weeks because they do have some great matchups coming up for their offense for everyone involved fantasy wise so something to keep an eye on in this game but if I have another option I would probably try to go with that over Stefan Diggs in this game On the Chicago Bears side of the football, this is not a great matchup for them either. Uh, Allen Robinson's going to see Xavier Rhodes quite a bit. And even if they try to move Allen Robinson around in the slot and stuff like they did last week, uh, it's still a limitation because you have the guy named Mitchell Trubisky playing at quarterback. And Minnesota's defense has been playing very good through the first three weeks. They look like they're back up the snuff to where they were two years ago. So, I don't know what to expect out of anybody right now, fantasy-wise. I think the only two players you can play from the Chicago Bears with any confidence is David Montgomery and Allen Robinson. And even both of them, I think, have a really low floor heading into this matchup where I would probably try to see if I could find better options, if at all possible. With David Montgomery, while he has been the dominant ball carrier over the last two weeks, last week he really didn't get involved until the fourth quarter. So, and when they were up by a few scores throughout that entire game, he didn't get that involved until the fourth quarter. So that was concerning to me. And that was against the Washington Redskins, where he didn't have a great game. You're going to be against Minnesota Vikings, a much tougher defense. 
And like I said, for Robinson, six catches, 60 yards. Taylor Gabriel was the one who had the three touchdowns. That had more to do with game flow and the matchups that they came up with. That's not something that's going to regularly happen, but he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. I'd be, it'd be hard for me to imagine that he suddenly scores one here against Xavier Rhodes, who is playing really well so far this season. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We have a few more games to preview for you. And then, of course, we have the mailbag segment still at the end. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Well, coming out of this break here, we have the most exciting game of week four. Just kidding. We got the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is going to be abysmal. Probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this wound up being like a 17 to 10 type of game, if that. While the Jaguars offense has shown some life, they did play pretty well against Tennessee, who has a good defense last week. Denver's defense, while it has not been producing sacks or turnovers, has still been playing pretty solidly. Um, More specifically for fantasy purposes, when you're looking at the Jaguars going up against them, is the key differences that you have there. Look, DJ Chark has put himself in a position where he has become a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two play from week to week. But this week, he's going up against Chris Harris. Chris Harris, who took out Devontae Adams the week before, who still has played very well throughout this season and shadowing coverage. So that's going to be the question. Now, maybe the Denver Broncos look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and don't see a receiver that they necessarily feel like they have to shadow. I think that would be the key if you want to play DJ Chark. And DJ Chark is the only Jaguars wide receiver who I have any interest in playing at all. The thing about Chris Harris is that if they don't shadow him, he's a guy who likes to play in the slot quite a bit too. So D.D. Westbrook might see him a lot. Chris Conley might see him a bit. D.J. Shark might see him a bit. Now, you can take advantage of the other corners on the other team, and they're going to try to move the ball. At the end of the day, if you play D.J. Shark, you're playing him with the hope that he gets into the end zone for the fourth game in a row. That That's pretty much what you're doing. I think there's very little chance that he has a big game here, very, very little chance of him going for 100 yards. So what you really, at the end of the day, are hoping for is that if they get in the red zone, Gardner Minshew continues to look for his favorite guy in that position, which very well could be the case, but that's why you're playing him. I think he's more of a low-end wide receiver three, more of a flex play, touchdown, or bust play for this particular matchup against the Denver Broncos. And I believe, yes, they are. They're on the road heading into Denver this week, which I also don't really love. Now, the one thing about Denver is that they've been susceptible to the run. Leonard Fournette has been getting more touches, more a higher percentage of the work share on his team than any other running back in the NFL not named Christian McCaffrey so far. So the volume has been there. He's been involved in the passing game. He's getting all of the carries. He's getting all of the work. Hasn't had great matchups combined with the fact that offensive line hasn't been very good, but while he, other than the big run that he had at the very end of the game against Tennessee, and he didn't play very well up until that point, the Jaguars' offense in general has started to play a little bit better over the past couple of weeks. They've progressively gotten a little bit better. A little bit more situations where he might be to have a chance at least to score some points. I wouldn't be surprised if Fournette is able to get into the end zone in this game for the first time this season. This is a Denver Broncos team that does struggle a little bit against the run. And Fournette, to me, hasn't looked bad. He looks fine. He 
looks like he's a little bit quicker than he was last year, a little bit more in shape. He's been able to handle all of the work. And because he's out there on every single play, it's just a matter of time before he's able to break one. You know, he's nothing more than an RB2, but he's an RB2 with some upside, I think, against the Denver Broncos, as they should be able for the first time this season to have a matchup in which they should be able to run the ball with some ease. So I do expect Leonard Fredette to have a decent game in this one, and I do have him in my starting lineups. That's pretty much it for Jack's film. Still not streaming Gardner Minshew. You can only hold up value for one wide receiver. The only receiver I'm willing to take a shot on that is DJ Chark. So it's DJ Chark and it's Leonard Fournette for me, and that's about it when it comes to Jacksonville. On the Denver side of the ball, it's kind of a similar situation. Look, we don't know if Jalen Ramsey's going to play. He hasn't practiced all week. He's been away from the team. He keeps demanding that he very much wants to be traded from the team, that he's lost face in the organization, even though the ownership has come out multiple times and said that they want to try to make him the highest paid corner. We'll see what happens with all of that. We don't know if he's going to play this week as a result, though, because he hasn't practiced at all. Now, we'll see what happens today. Maybe he comes back to practice today to try to play. If he doesn't practice today, I would have to think that Jalen Ramsey's going to try to find ways to get himself inactivated for Sunday's matchup. Now, why does that matter? Well, the Jaguars don't shadow, and they have A.J. Boye, who's a very good corner. However, they play him the one side. So, whether it's Cortland Sutton or whether it's Emmanuel Sanders, somebody should have a mismatch on the other side if Jalen Ramsey does not play. Somebody's going to have a good matchup. Somebody's going to do well. Now, you want to take your chance on which one's going to be? I don't know. <laughs> that 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 part is a little... They're both, at the end of the day, high-end wide receiver fours with upside, which means you're pretty much just looking at them to play in the flex if you need them to. They have both have been pretty good. They both have been heavily utilized. Emmanuel Sanders a little bit more in PPR leagues, Sutton a little bit more in standard leagues. In this matchup, I don't know how much I want to have to play either one of them, but I'm only looking them as a low-end flex play if I have to. If Ramsey, And that's only if Ramsey doesn't play. If Ramsey does play, I'm trying to avoid both of these receivers at all costs because I don't know with Joe Facklow, with the way he's playing right now, while the Broncos' offense played a little bit better against Green Bay, it still didn't look great, especially in the passing game. Mano Sanders was taken out of that game. I would have very low expectations for either one of those wide receivers if Jalen Ramsey does play as well. So just something to keep your eye on if you're looking to play one of these Bronco wide receivers. You're going to need Ramsey to not play to at least have a chance, I think, to have any kind of comfortability with the idea of playing one of these guys in your flex, depending on your scoring format. So that's, that's something you're going to have to wait and see on. The running game is going to be key. The running game is going to be what they have to lean on. Now, Jaguars did a pretty good job against Derrick Henry last week, held him to 40 yards. He did score a touchdown, though, but they still held him to 40 yards. So they've been playing a little bit better run defense. They, I mean, definitely been better this year than they have been than they were last year. That's that's for sure, because you could run on them all day last year. This year, they've definitely been a little bit better in that category, but that's still their weakness at the end of the day. We'll have to see how they're able to hold up. Now, they should have the opportunity to dominate the offensive line of the Denver Broncos, who just hasn't been very good and doesn't have a lot of power right now getting a push in the interior part of that line of scrimmage. Clayus Campbell might be able to eat for days. So I don't really love Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. Of the two, I actually like Royce Freeman a little bit more in this matchup. Jacksonville typically will struggle a little bit more against power running backs than they do speed running backs. I've talked about this in the past. Because they have so much speed on that defense, running backs that rely on their quickness usually have a tougher time against Jacksonville, while running backs who rely on their physical ability to be able to break tackles have usually a better matchup. Against Derrick Henry last week, while he still had a decent game for you guys and while he was still bottled up, a lot of that had to do with trying to get revenge on the fact that he ran all over him at the end of last season too. They look fired up for that game as a unit. 
I don't know if they're going to be quite as fired up heading into this matchup against Denver, especially on the road. So we're going to see what happens there. I think Royce Freeman is a low-end flex play. It's been a 50-50 split, not just with carries, but with the passing attack too, which has boosted Royce Freeman's ability in my mind to give him a higher floor. But I think Royce Freeman's actually going to be the guy who's going to be a little bit better than Philip Lindsay in this particular matchup. Either way, I would try to see if I had better options, but I do think these guys have to be considered for flex play opportunities. And the game should be a low-scoring enough affair where both of them are involved throughout all four quarters. I don't think it's the game in which Denver's going to have to suddenly just go pass heavy in order to catch up either way. So that part is good for both of them as well. Our next matchup to talk about is the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints in the Sunday night football game. And this one should be a good game. We'll get to see the Saints on display there. Look, they came out, they surprised people. They went on the road to Seattle and played really well with Teddy Bridgewater. They were able to put up points. And that was the Saints team on the road. They don't even usually play that well on the road when they have Drew Brees. So they're going to be back at home in this game. Another week with Teddy Bridgewater getting more comfortable. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. That's it. That's who you play for fantasy-wise for the Saints. As much as they have a good offense, as much as they have guys with the ability to score, at the end of the day, the only two players you could trust is Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. It's hit or miss with Ted Ginner, Traquan Smith, who gets the other balls, and with Ted Bridgewater, a quarterback, not get many touches, but he wasn't on the field very much either. And that was a game in which the Saints were either close or leading by. So it just kind of looks like to me, as long as Drew Brees is out, they might be playing Kamara more and more to give him the best weapons possible on a more regular basis to make things easier on him, which makes sense. It does make sense. But for Latavius Murray owners who were holding out hope that he could be a flex option for them in some weeks, until Drew Brees comes back, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to trust Latavius Murray again. He's somebody who I would say, you can go ahead and do this. Prepare to be flushed. Yeah, he's a must-dump for me. There's no reason to roster a guy that you're not going to be able to play at least for another five weeks to see his work share go back up to a point where he might be a flex play for you, especially when you have bye weeks coming up, especially when you're going to have injuries, more injuries in this part of this season, most likely. Look, that that's a situation where you won't have roster spots to burn here. So Latavius Murray, yeah, you need to be dumped. You need to be flushed. Bye-bye. Uh, as far as anybody else goes on Saints, like I said, Teddy Bridgewater, especially against Dallas, is just he's not somebody who I'm going to feel comfortable streaming. I don't. He doesn't really have a set floor. He doesn't really necessarily have a set ceiling. We just haven't seen enough of him with this offense to really get a gauge on what it is you can expect of him to produce. So he's not somebody who's a streaming quarterback yet. On the Dallas side of the ball, you know more what to expect there. Number one, Amari Cooper was able to practice in a limited capacity yesterday and today. So Amari Cooper is going to be good to go for a Sunday as he was dealing with the ankle issue. They came back. MRI results were negative, so he's fine. Uh, Michael Gallup is going to continue to miss. He's still going to be out for another week or two possibly. So I have to wait to see when he returns. Amari Cooper is the only wide receiver who you can trust. Last week against the Miami Dolphins, there was no Michael Gallup. You had Randall Cobb and Devin Smith getting more snaps, and they weren't really utilized. I don't, while it's going to be Randall Cobb and Devin Smith who once again have the favorable matchups because Amari Cooper is going to be going up against Marshawn Lattimore in this game. I just think the emphasis, because what Randall Cobb is at this point in his career, because Devin Smith is still more of just a big play threat than a true wide receiver, 
I just think at the end of the day, they're going to have to feature Amari Cooper. He is going to have to lead the way in the passing attack, so he's still the wide receiver A. He's still a wide receiver one, so you're definitely going to play him, even a tough matchup against Lattimore, but he's the only wide receiver who I really trust right now, even though Dallas's offense is playing pretty well in general, and Dak is playing really well in general. Obviously, you're starting Dak as a QB one. Obviously, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott as your running back one. Really no question marks there. I don't know if I'm really taking a shot on any one other person going into this matchup into New Orleans uh, on Sunday Night Football. I don't think there, I think there's other options that you can take that I would feel more comfortable about, especially if you need a home run threat than Devin Smith or Randall Cobb. For the Monday Night Football game, the last game to preview before we get into the mailbag, we got the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Once again, once again, Monday Night Football wishes they could flex their games out. Because once again, this is... You got two 0-3 teams on Monday Night Football. It is absolutely terrible to have on a prime time time slot. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I don't know who schedules these games, but why would you schedule the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football anyway? They always are terrible. Completely terrible when the lights are shining the brightest. Especially Andy Dalton. That's kind of why I like Pittsburgh's defense as a streaming play this week. I think it's a guarantee Dalton throws at least a couple of picks, and they're able to get a few sacks in this one because it's the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. And it's Monday Night Football. So I like Pittsburgh's defense in this one. I like him as a streamer. My little super streamer at defense for you guys. It's it, Look, for the, for the Steelers in general... This is great because this is an offense that needs a spark. They need a matchup to try to right the ship and try to get something positive going to build some confidence moving forward. You have Mason Rudolph going to make his second start of his NFL career. You have James Conner who's been disappointing. You have Juju Smith-Schuster who's been hit or miss. This is a great matchup against Cincinnati Bengals who have a terrible defense in all phases of the game to get those two right. And that is going to be the priority in this matchup. I guarantee it. Priority is going to be to get Juju Smith-Schuster the ball, get James Conner the ball, get the offense moving in the right direction. This is a perfect get-right game for them. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. A perfect confidence booster for Mason Rudolph, who I think is a very low-end stream play. Look, there's going to be better stream plays than Mason Rudolph this week, but he is somebody who, if you wanted to take a super shot in the dark, say in DFS, Mason Rudolph could be that guy for you. Because it's a great matchup for him here. I think he's going to have an easy time getting the ball to where he wants to, getting getting set up for play-action bombs. He's a big play quarterback. I think he's going to have a very good chance to get some big plays in this one. That's it. I'm not starting anybody else. Vance McDonald still had his arm in a sling. He hasn't practiced as of yet. Now, yes, they do have the extra day. But there's a reason they traded for Nick Vanette on Tuesday. While they keep holding out optimism that Vance McDonald may be able to play on Sunday, I think the trade tells you that they don't really actually expect him in turn to be able to do so. It may just be a week, though. It may not be a long time. It sucks to lose Max McDonald in a plus matchup when you've been trying to lean on him to be a tight end one, and he's only had one good game so far out of the three, but I really would not expect him to play, and because this is a Monday night game, I gotta think there's better options for you to go with. Will Disley, Vernon Davis, take your pick. I'm going with either one of those guys than taking the chance on Monday night football to hope I have to pick up Nick Vinette 
uh, the play if Vance McDonald doesn't go. I don't want to waste a roster spot on Nick Vanette at the end of the day. So there's no one else you want to play. James Washington, Deontay Johnson, the other two starting wide receivers. Deontay Johnson had a decent game last week, but I think there's, there's going to be such an emphasis to get Smith-Schuster to the ball against his porous defense that I don't know if anybody else really has the opportunities there for them to eat. I think James Conner is going to do really well. So I think it's just Conner and Schuster. And I think you can play these guys as an RB1, as a wide receiver one, have those expectations that you had for them when you drafted them in this matchup. And maybe this will be the confidence booster they need moving forward. On the Bengals side of the football, I don't love Andy Dalton in this game. They're going on the road in Pittsburgh on prime time. Normally against Pittsburgh Steelers, I would say this is a game that because of the volume that he's been working at, I would still say he's a streaming option. And even against the Buffalo Bills on the road, he did wind up having a decent game. It's primetime football on Andy Dalton. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. He's he's somebody who I'm just going to avoid as far as a streaming option goes. If you want to keep rostering him because he's been your second quarterback that you've been able to rotate in, I'm fine with that. I'm not dumping him. But at the same time, if he's somebody who's stayed on your waiver wire, he's not somebody I'm going to pick up off the waiver wire to try to plug and play for this week either. As far as Joe Mixon goes, you have to play Joe Mixon. Kind of got back on track in last week's matchup. They're starting to utilize him more. A, he looked much healthier last week. But B, they're getting him involved in the equal amount as far as the passing and the rushing game go, which is what they're going to have to do because with that offensive line, I don't know how much success he's ever going to find running the football. 49ers are able to run the ball on Pittsburgh, but I think Joe Mixon is going to make most of his damage in the passing attack this week. But at the end of the day, I still think he's somebody you can play as a high-end RB2. With that offensive line, it's gonna. I think it's going to take A.J. Green coming back for him to be an RB1, but I think he can be plays in our high-end RB2. For the receivers, Tyler Boyd, John Ross. Love Tyler Boyd, especially in PPR leagues. The slot receiver is the mismatch against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even with Mika Fitzpatrick back there, he's playing safety. He's not playing slot corner. So I do think that continues to be the case. Debo Samuel didn't have a big game, but really nobody, as far as the 49ers wide receivers go, had a big game last week. So it was, a, it was actually, surprisingly enough, the rushing attack, which I think they're going to be able to do a better job of against the Bengals here because the offensive line was that they have. So I like Tyler Boyd in PPR leagues. I do think he's going to get peppered quite a bit. He has a high floor there. The big question becomes John Ross. What can you expect out of John Ross? He has the speed. I do think a big play is definitely possible against this Pittsburgh Steelers secondary, but the addition of Fitzpatrick, especially to play center field, helps a lot being able to take some of that deep ball away. John Ross, because of volume, because I expect the Bengals to have to come back in this game because they've been throwing the ball a ton even when the games are close anyway. Because of volume, I do think he has a decent floor. This isn't a team that totally scares me off of him, but if he's going to see Joe Hayden a lot in this game, I do think you definitely have to limit your expectations because if he's if he's going, if Mika Fitzpatrick is able to take away the deep ball and he has to deal with Joe Hayden in the intermediate part of the field, I don't know how much work John Ross gets. I don't know how many good opportunities he gets throughout this matchup. So I think there are better options to go with, but John Ross is a guy who you're taking as a flyer wide receiver for boomer bust play, hoping to hit that home run. I mean, at the end of the day, that that's pretty much all John Ross is in this matchup. So I have to think there are other options for you to be able to go to. Not that it matters for this game, but a lot of people have been asking me for updates on A.J. Green. The fact is there aren't many updates to go around. At the end of the day, he has pretty much come out and said that he's not in a rush, that the initial timetable that was put out there in the media he never thought was actually going to be the case. 
Pretty much reports from inside camp have been suggesting that A.J. Green is in no hurry to come back. One, to get healthy, but two, because he wants a new contract. He is supposed to be a free agent at the end of the year. And frankly, he's looking at this dumpster fire of a team who's 0-3. And why rush myself to play for a crappy team if I'm not even on a long-term contract with them right now? So I do think there's a mixture of I'm hurt. I'm rehabbing, which is what he's doing. He's out of the walking boot. He is running around on the rehab field, so he is making progress as far as his injury goes. But at the same time, I'm not going to push myself like he would have in other years because he wants to get paid, because he's due a contract. And I think A.J. Green has to look at it like this. Like, look, even if I only play it, wind up playing four games at the end of the year, I'll play healthy. I'll look good because of the offense. And then if these guys don't want to sign me, I have one last chance to get a decent contract because he's 31 years old now. So that's the way he has to look at it. I don't think he comes back until he's 100% healthy or until he gets paid. So if you have A.J. Green, you may be holding on to him for a few more weeks before he's able to get out into the field for you. I wouldn't be surprised if it was another month, quite frankly, with the way things are going right now and how they're shaking out in Cincinnati. But we don't have a lot of updates on the situation in general right now. So just make sure you're following me along. I'll keep up to date on the story with it. I'll make sure you guys are updated as I know things that second. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side with the mailbag segment, and then we'll close down the show for the day. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. It's time to get into my favorite part of the show where I get to answer your questions from the listeners. Always exciting times. Always when you have the best fantasy football display out there when I can answer your questions and give you my information and also see what the pulse is from the fantasy community on certain players. That's why this fan, that's why this mailbag segment is so important to me. And of course, I love being able to interact with the people who listen to the show all the time because I so greatly appreciate that you do. And our first question up today, we have from Candice, who sent me an email through the website, mdffshow.com. She asked, I have to start one. Kenny Galladay, Christian Kirk, or Sammy Watkins. She did not specify if this was a half point, full point, or standard league. Uh, would be nice to know that a little bit. But for me, at the end of the day, hands down, it is Sammy Watkins. He's still ranked within my top 10 wide receivers. He's actually within my top six. He'll be talked about in my video. So I have him squarely as a wide receiver one. Darius Slay for the Detroit Lions is not expected to play in this game. So if they don't have Darius Slay, they don't have anybody who can stick up and with Sammy Watkins and be able to shout at him and take him out of this game. So while Nicole Harmon and Demarcus Robinson have been the ones that have been getting the bombs and getting touchdowns the last two weeks, Sammy still has been the number one targeted pass catcher, period. More than Travis Kelsey or any of the running backs, he's been the number one go-to guy. He's had matchups where... The last two weeks, they've been able to go up against defenses that have the ability to try to at least key on one of the wide receivers, which is what's opened up Robinson and Hardman. But Watkins is the one who has a great matchup in this game with no Darius Slay out there. I expect Watkins, with his opportunities and his good matchup, to come back and be the wide receiver one that he should be week in and week out as long as there's no Tyreek Hill and as long as that continues. Lucy from Twitter asks, should I drop Hawkinson for Disley? This is a very interesting question. 
I lean towards no. I don't want to drop TJ Hawkinson. Remember my recap? I went over this. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was a few bad situations away from having three touchdowns last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. One in which he dropped, one in which he had stepped out of bounds and came back in, and another one that was called back due to penalty. So had that happened, it would have been a very different story on TJ Hawkinson. They're playing his Kansas City Chiefs. I, he is somebody who's been targeted consistently by the Lions in the red zone. Having said all that, Will Disley's also going up against Arizona, and he has been the top guy for the first three weeks. He has scored a touchdown each of the three weeks. He has been very good. They just traded away Nick Vanette, solidifying his role within that offense, solidifying it as the starting tight end. There's a very good opportunity that Will Disley is going to be able to score in that matchup too. I guess my thing at the end of the day is that I don't want to drop TJ Hawkinson. I still believe in his talent, his opportunity on that offense. So if I had the capability, I would maybe try to see if I could pick up Will Disley without dropping TJ Hawkinson because Disley's still not somebody given that offense the way they really want to be able to play offense and just haven't had the past couple of weeks and given that Disley is still relatively a new commodity so is TJ Hawkinson but Disley doesn't have the rapport of uh doesn't doesn't have the, the hype and the talent coming in as the Hawkinson does I would be a little hesitant in dropping Hawkinson I w- and I don't think it's bad to roster two good tight ends while most people are looking for that one tight end that they can just pick up and play in their lineups from a week-to-week basis. If you have two good tight ends, it can put you in a situation where you can pick and choose your matchups and never be outdoled at the position outside of when you have to go up against Travis Kelsey. So I I don't think it's a bad idea if you can roster both of them. If you have to just choose one, my rankings would say to play Will Disley over TJ Hawkinson this week. But I would advise try and find a way to roster both of them. If you cannot, then yes, I would go ahead. I would drop Hawkinson for Will Disley to play him for this week against the Arizona Cardinals. Jay from Facebook, he asks, should I trade Derrick Henry for James Conner? In a word, yes. Uh, First of all, Conner's going to have a great game this week against Cincinnati Bengals. But second of all, I'm not worried about Conner moving forward. I know it has been a disappointing three weeks. I get that. That offensive line of Pittsburgh is much better than what they have been playing so far. And sometimes offensive lines take a little bit of a while into the season, take a month or so into the season before they start to play up to snuff, play up to what you expect. That is a good offensive line. With Mason Rudolph, they're going to have to lean on the run to, more to get that offense going and take some of the pressure off. They tried to play their they're the same brand of football that they played with Ben Roethlisberger last week against the 49ers. I think because that blew up in their face, I think because they lost that game, they're going to do what they should have did in the first place, and that is actually lean on their running game more, let the offense flow through James Conner, and then the passing attack second. I have to believe against Cincinnati, it's a perfect time for them to be able to try out that strategy because so it should work with success because the running game should go off like gangbusters against the Bengals. And I do think that that could lead to them getting the confidence to do that more so moving forward. Where with Derrick Henry, while yes, the Tennessee offense is already built around giving the ball to Derrick Henry, and yes, he scored in all three weeks leading up, James Conner, because he catches the ball, because I think he's such a better talent, I'd rather have James Conner moving forward than Derrick Henry. I think there's going to be games where Derrick Henry is going to be written out of the game script due to Tennessee falling behind, and I just I trust Conner more so. He is the RB1. And think about back to the drafts. Derrick Henry was being drafted as a solid RB2 in the fourth, fifth round, and James Conner was a guy who was going in the first, late first, second round. I still believe in Conner 
Gardner at the end of the day, I still believe he can still give you RB1, where I think Henry at the end of the day is nothing more than a high-end RB2. So yeah, I would make that deal. If you can trade Derrick Henry straight up for James Conner right now, I'm pulling the trigger on that. That'll close down the episode for today. Close down our episode for week four. Remember, I'm going to be back on Sportscaster with the rankings video. So make sure you go out and check that out later on today. I will be posting later on exactly when that video is going to be coming out. Uh, make sure you're checking me out on Twitter at MDSFFshow, on Facebook at MDFFshow, and of course on the website for those rankings and to contact me directly by email, MDFFshow.com. Of course, you can check out one of my three networks, Overtime Heroics, Belly Up Sports, Unwrapped Sports. Everybody's doing great work over there right now, especially through the football season. You can go on there to any one of those websites, check out forums, check out newsletters and articles and other podcasts that are talking about great information to help you get any kind of edge. I'm not selfish. I don't care if you go check out one of these guys. Go check them out. See what they're doing. Get all the information that you possibly can to try to help win your leagues. That's all I care about at the end of the day is helping MD Nation win a championship. So check them out. They're doing great work there. Make sure you can always listen to this podcast or any of my episodes on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you like to go for your podcast listens. Make sure you're checking them out too. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show today. I will be back as regularly scheduled on Monday with the first recap of the Sunday afternoon games and then Tuesday with the Sunday night football and the Monday night football recap along with the waiver wire report. So we'll be back on schedule next week with four episodes. So I will see you guys all on Monday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.